Well, it's hard to believe that this is our last week of our Bible study on prayers, being strengthened through prayer. And it's fitting, and I think a great way to end this study is by looking at the prayers of worship in the book of Revelation. Have you ever thought about how you will respond the day that you see Jesus face to face? You know, I often think about that when I hear the song, uh, I Can Only Imagine, and I love the words in that song. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. And I can only imagine what it will be like to worship Jesus face to face one day. But we don't have to wait till that day when we see him face to face to worship. We can worship Jesus. We can worship the Father every day while we're on this earth. This is like a prelude to what worship is going to be like when we're in heaven. Well, this week we looked at several prayers of worship in the book of Revelation. And as John got a glimpse uh, into heaven and what was to come, he got a glimpse into the end times. He got a glimpse into the throne room. And my purpose this week in this lesson isn't to spend time talking about the end times, although I know some of you wish we probably would. That's for another study. What I wanted to focus on this week was simply the prayers of worship in this book and what does it look like to worship. So my exhortation for us today from this lesson is that we would worship wholeheartedly. And I'd like to address five questions that will help us worship him wholeheartedly. And so let's jump in with the first question. Uh, if we're going to worship wholeheartedly, we have to understand what worship is. So let's let's talk about that. What is worship? And I want to give you several definitions because I think they all kind of add something to what worship is. The simple definition that you probably heard is that worship is ascribing worth to someone or something. It's saying, you are of worth to me. You're worthy of my praise, my honor, my, my worship. And that's a good definition, but I don't think it really encompasses all of what worship really is. And so a second definition uh, I heard from one of my seminary professors, Dr. Ron Allen, who does a wonderful job of teaching through the book of Psalms. But he gave us the definition of worship as a celebration of God. When we worship, we're celebrating who he is. You know, when you have a birthday party or a graduation party or a wedding reception, you're celebrating that person. Well, that's what worship is. Worship is celebrating God. And then another definition I actually gave you in your lesson this week. It's one of the quotes at the end of one of the days, and it's by Donald Whitney. And he wrote a book on spiritual disciplines, and one of the chapters is on the discipline of worship. And he gives the definition that worship is being preoccupied with God. Worship is being preoccupied with God. Uh, let me read you the whole quote that even goes before that, that line. 
He says that worship often includes words and actions, but it goes beyond them to the focus of the mind and the heart. Worship is being preoccupied with God. You know, it's more than just our actions. We can go through the actions of worship. Um, We can say words of worship, but it's got to go deeper than that. It's got to come from the heart and the focus of our mind, and it's being preoccupied with God. Are you preoccupied with God? Or are you preoccupied with things around us, our circumstances, things of the world? I have to admit, I was convicted by that as I was working on this, that, Lord, I confess that there are times I'm preoccupied with other things more than I am with you. But I want to worship him, which means I need to be preoccupied with him and keeping my eyes on him. So are you ascribing worth to him? Are you celebrating God? Are you preoccupied with him? If so, then you're worshiping. That's what worship is. So then that brings us to the second question. Whom do we worship? And I know that you're probably thinking, well, that's easy. You know, cricket, we worship God. Well, yes, that's kind of the answer that we would standardly give. Yeah, we worship God. But are there other things or people in your life that you might start to worship instead of God? Things that begin to push God a little to the side that you're giving maybe more thought and love to someone or something else than you are to God, then you might have some idols in your life. And we don't like to think that we have idols, but we do from time to time. All of us do. And one way um, to determine if you have an idol, I heard somebody uh, give this definition and question is, is there something or someone in your life that if God removed it, it would devastate you, and you just wouldn't know what to do. Now, I know we're going to lose loved ones through death, and, and we grieve, and we hurt, and we miss them, but I'm talking about something a little different here. It's like we just, we have worshipped this thing so much that that's been so much a part of our life that we just don't know how we're going to go forward with it. Then that might be an indication that we are worshipping someone or something more than we are worshipping God. You know, I laugh at um, some of the conversations I've heard from our men here at the church. Uh, Several of them have said, you know, God showed me that I have made sports an idol. Because during the the coronavirus, you know, stay at home, shelter at home, uh, in March and following... During those months when all the sports were stopped, there were no basketball games, there were no baseball games, NASCAR, hockey, uh, whatever goes on in the spring. There were reruns on TV, but I've heard several of the guys would joke and go, oh my goodness, I, I, I realize that maybe I've had sports as an idol because I don't know what to do without being able to watch sports or go to sports games. And some were worried about this fall. Will there be football games? So I think that that's one of the things we need to look at is what is it that if it were not in our lives, we would feel lost and just not know what to do. He is the only one worthy of our worship. And then the third question, why do we worship? And I want to give you four reasons why we worship from the passages that we studied in Revelation this week. And the first reason 
is we worship him because of who he is, his attributes. Um, the prayer in uh, Revelation 4.8 that you looked at this week, the prayer was, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. They were worshiping, and again, this was, you know, the, the four creatures that were worshiping God and I gave you in your study kind of the different views of who those creatures are. We don't know for sure. But I want to focus on the prayer. They were worshiping God because of who he is. He's holy. He's almighty. He is eternal. He always has been. He always will be. And so when we focus on his attributes and who God is, that moves us to worship. Second reason we worship is we worship him because he is our creator. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 11, you looked at another prayer that was given by the creatures, the 24 elders, which again, I, you know, I gave the different views of who the 24 elders are, but uh, in their prayer of worship, they said, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. He is our creator. He has created everything. I was reading that yesterday in my quiet time. And I, was, I had my cats were with me. They always joined me for my quiet time. And Hobson was laying beside me and Hannah was behind my head. And I read that and I looked at them and I thought, you know, I just want to praise God for creating you uh, you are his creation. By his will, he chose to create the things that he created. And we should worship him. You know, when I look outside at the, the trees blooming or at the, the birds, yesterday I had, was looking out at some blue jays in my backyard and just the intricacies of how God made their wings. It should move us to worship as we focus on him as our creator. You know, the first time I saw a baby born, and I know I've not had a baby, but uh, the first time I saw a baby born, it's a long story, I was in East Asia, but I ended up in the, the delivery room. And when I saw that baby enter the world, I was moved to tears and I wanted to fall to my knees right there in that operating room and worship God. Just the whole idea and picturing just how he intricately formed that little body. We should worship him because he is our creator and he has created everything. Well, the third reason that we should worship him is because of what he's done. If you look over in chapter 5, uh, verse 9, they're praising him again, and, and they're praising him sitting on the throne, Jesus, and they're saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. This book contained the, what was going to come in the future. And they said, for you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. We worship you, Lord, because of what you've done. You died on the cross. You gave your blood 
for us so that we could be a child of God, so that we would have eternal life. And God, that moves me to worship you. There's so much that he has done for us that it should move us to worship every day. And then a fourth reason why we worship him. We worship him because he sits on the throne. Uh, In chapter 5, verse 13, and I I love this verse, and I'll, I'll go into it a little bit in a minute, but in verse 13 it says, Every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. We worship him because he is the one on the throne. He is sovereign. And it's just like when you you read or see movies about kings in these countries and the people would bow before the king and they'd, they'd worship him because... He was the king. He was sovereign. That is why we worship our Lord, our Savior, our Father, because he is on the throne. Uh, Just as a little side note, um, I love this verse 13 in chapter 5 because uh, when I was in seminary, my professor that taught eschatology, which is a doctrine of the end times, when we were looking at this passage, he said, you know, I, I hear the question often. People will ask me, well, do my, will my dogs, will my cats be in heaven when I get there? And I thought, well, yeah, I've asked that question. I've wondered it. I have no idea. And he said, you know, this verse makes me think that they will be there because it says, verse 13, every created thing, heaven, on the earth, under the earth, on the sea, Every created thing will be saying to him who sits on the throne. He said, to me, that sounds like every creature, including cockroaches and snakes. I don't know. But I sure love that verse because of that thought. And I'd never noticed that before. But uh, that's why we should worship him, though. Because he is on the throne. He is our creator. So why do we worship him? Because of who he is. Because of uh, he's our creator, because of what he's done, and because he sits on the throne. So then that brings us to our fourth question uh, that will help us worship wholeheartedly. Uh, If we're going to worship wholeheartedly, we need to know, well, how do we worship? And so that's our fourth question. How do we worship? And there's several ways that we see them worshiping in heaven in these lessons that we looked at. First is with spoken words. Um, over and over throughout these prayers, you'll see saying with a loud voice or saying, saying, and then they, they, they worship. So they were speaking words of worship. So that's one of the ways that we worship them, with spoken words. A second way we worship is with singing. Uh, chapter 5, verse 9, and we looked at that prayer of worship, but it begins, it says, And they sang a new song. They sang to him. And I love music, worship music. That is probably one of the ways that moves me to worship more than anything. I love to sit and either listen to worship music or sing along with it. It just moves my heart. 
And then third, a third way we worship is with community. You know, chapter 5, verse 11, it talks about just um, many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And it goes on and says, and the number of them were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands praising God. Wow. Just imagine being part of that. And then in chapter 7, verse 9, he talks about a great multitude which no one could count praising God and and really referring to tribulation martyrs. But we see in the throne room that worship takes place in community. And so we should worship in community here on this earth. But that's not the only way we should worship. We also should worship alone. I love to worship in the morning singing to the Lord, or when I drive into work in the morning, I almost always put on praise music, and I just sing at the top of my lungs. Now, I will say that when we were not meeting together in person in our churches, um, I missed being together with people and hearing other people's voices when we would sing uh, as we live-streamed. There is something about worshiping and hearing the voices around us that just heightens our worship. But we can also have a deep time of worship as we are just singing to the Lord and worshiping Him by ourselves. And then a fourth way we worship is with humility. In chapter 4, verse 10, it says, The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him. Chapter 5, verse 14, it says, The elders fell down and worshiped. In chapter 7, verse 11, it says, They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. You know, falling down before the Lord, uh, falling on their faces, it is symbolic of expressing humility before the Lord. It's, it's like you're saying, Lord, I am not worthy to be in your presence. And so I, you we're trying to, to express that humility before him. How do we show humility to God when we worship? Um, do we fall to our knees? And even if we can't physically go to our knees, do we go to our knees in our heart? Do we bow our hearts before him? Um, Maybe it's just bowing our head or closing our eyes and shutting out everything around us. You know, there have been times that I have actually gone to the floor and put my face to the ground, uh, usually in times of praise when God had just answered a prayer beyond anything I could have asked or imagined. And it just moved me to humility, and, and I just would put my face to the ground and say, God, I don't deserve this. Thank you. For doing this. Humility is a way we worship. And then a fifth way, the last way, is with honor. Chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. It says that when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne. You know, we we read about the crowns in the New Testament, the different types of crowns that we'll receive because of things that maybe we've done or our hearts. And casting those crowns 
is an act of honoring God. It's like saying, God, I want to give you everything that I have, everything that you've allowed me to do. Lord, I want to give it back to you to honor you. And those crowns weren't for me and to build me up so I could brag to other people in heaven about, look at my crowns. It's to honor you and to give them back to you and to thank you. Can we hold our hands out to God now and say, God, I want to honor you in my worship. I want to give you everything that I am and everything I have. I want to honor you. So how do we worship? With spoken words, with singing, with community and by ourselves, with humility and with honor. And then that brings us to our last question. Where do we worship? And I would say... uh, The best answer for that is we worship at the feet of Jesus before the throne of God. And we can do that wherever we are. That when we come to him to worship, we picture that we are at his feet. That we're kneeling before the throne of God. We can do that in the car. We can do it while we're washing dishes, changing diapers mowing the, the yard, taking a walk. Even you know while we're in church together, we are worshiping at the feet of Jesus. You know, they bowed before him in heaven. They stood before him. They fell on their faces before him, but every time they worshiped, they were at the feet of the throne. That is where we worship. Even though we can't physically see the throne and we can't see Jesus face to face right now, we can still picture that we are at his feet. So my exhortation to us this week is those two words, that we would worship wholeheartedly. And to help us do that, we address these five questions. I mean, if we're going to worship wholeheartedly, we have to know what is worship? Whom do we worship? Why do we worship? How do we worship? Where do we worship? Will you worship him wholeheartedly? Will you celebrate him every day, regardless of the circumstances going on around us? I want to close um, with a story about Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence is someone that's probably familiar to most of us. His name is familiar to us. He lived in the 1600s, and he's most known for the book that he wrote, The Practice of the Presence of God. And when Brother Lawrence lay on his deathbed and he was just rapidly losing his physical strength, he made the comment to those around him. He said, I am not dying. I am just doing what I've been doing for the past 40 years and doing what I expect to be doing for all eternity. And they asked him, well, what is that? And he responded, I am worshiping the God I love. I hope that will be true of me when I am on my bed or wherever I am taking my last breath. I hope that I'm worshiping God. You know, when my mom was lying in the nursing home those last few days, I would take worship music and I would play those hymns and songs because I just was praying that mom would be able to hear and to could worship even though she wasn't awake. I want to worship him 
until the day I die or he comes to get me and then continue to worship him in a new le- on a new level face to face. That is my prayer for us, that we would worship him wholeheartedly. Let me pray. Father, thank you that we're able to come before you and worship you, even though it may not be face-to-face right now. Lord, we can look forward to that time that we're going to be gathered with people from every nation and tongue and tribe and stand or kneel or fall before you and worship you. And Lord, I pray that we don't miss a day on this earth of worshiping you. I pray that every day, Lord, we'd celebrate you and that we'd be preoccupied with you. Lord, deepen our love for you. Thank you for all the things you've done. Thank you for who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on that note, we are closing the book on our Bible study on prayer. And I am praying that God has used these prayers to spur you on in your relationship with him. So just know I'm praying for you.